the book of Ruth, chapter number one, when you find your place there in God's Word, I want to tell you a little synopsis of the book of Ruth. Now, if you don't know much about Ruth, don't be embarrassed because uh, there was a long time in my Christian life I knew nothing about the book of Ruth. As a matter of fact, it'd be terrible to preach an opening message of the book of Ruth without telling you the story. Some of you have heard it before. But uh, I was a sophomore in Bible college, and Ruth and I had started sparking a little bit. I had shown her some interest, and she would showed me a little bit back, and uh, I kept showing more and more. Uh, but uh, folks would begin to notice around Crown College that Ruth and Cody are, uh, are talking to each other. And, uh, and I was smitten. She took a while. But uh, I was smitten, and uh, we, were, uh, we were spending some time together, and so... Uh, pastor Sexton, the uh, president of Crown College and the pastor of Temple Baptist Church, he met me as I was going out the door of the auditorium one day, and he just smacked me on the back, and he said, How you doing, Boaz? And uh, I looked at him with a blank stare because I had no idea what he meant when he smacked me on the back and said, What are you doing, Boaz? And so I looked at him, I said, uh, I, Excuse me? He smacked me again. He said, how are you in the Moabitess? And I looked at him with cross-eyed again. I was like, what in the world? Are you? I said, Pastor Sexton, I don't have any clue what you're saying. I'm not very smart. What do you mean? He said, Ruth, Cody, Ruth. And uh, what he was doing was referring to the Bible story of Ruth. And I didn't get the hint or take the clues. But I'll tell you what I did. I felt so embarrassed. I didn't know anything about Ruth, the book in the Bible, that I left that moment and went straight to my dorm and read for the very first time that I remembered reading the book of Ruth and began to learn the story of the book of Ruth. And I'll tell you, it's a great story. I'll just give you... See you later. I'll just give you a little synopsis of the book of Ruth and then we'll begin working our way through this passage of Scripture. Uh, it doesn't start with Ruth. As a matter of fact, it starts with a Jewish family. Uh, the head of house, the father, the husband, Elimelech's his name. His wife's name's Naomi. And they have two boys, Malon and Kilion. These four uh, are in a time in the nation of Israel that's pretty tough because there's a famine in the land. Elimelech gets a little bit... Uh, nervous and anxious about the situation going on in Israel. And he does something that at that moment in Old Testament history was something that was against God. He left the place of God's blessing and God's people and went down to a place called Moab. That's where you get the Moabitess because Ruth was a Moabitess from Moab. He goes to Moab and there in Moab attempting to flee famine Tragedy strikes in a big way his family. Elimelech is the first to die. He dies. After he dies, uh, Malon and Kilion marry two Moabitess girls. And uh, the two girls, one is Ruth, the other one is Orpah. And so these two girls marry Elimelech's two sons, and they live there in Moab for about 10 years. Uh, Near the end of that 10-year stint, both of Elimelech and Naomi's boys die. And so what you have is this ugly scene of three widows that are brokenhearted. Elimelech's dead, Malon's dead, Kilion's dead. And now what in the world do they do? Naomi 
uh, remembers the promises of God and the place of God's blessing. And Naomi tells the girls, uh, the Moabite girls, he, she says, I'm leaving. You go back home. I'm leaving. I'm going back to my God and my people. And Orpah gives her a hug and a kiss, and it's a tender embrace. But Ruth says, look, I'm going with you. Where you go, I'm going. Where your God is going to be my God. And Ruth makes the right decision and goes with Naomi up back to Bethlehem, Judah, to the people of God. And there uh, Ruth meets a man named Boaz. Boaz is a kinsman redeemer. Boaz takes Ruth to be his wife. And uh, the story is beautiful and sweet and a picture of Christ. And the end of the story goes like this. Boaz and Ruth have a child. And their child ends up in the lineage of Jesus Christ himself. And God uses tragedy and difficulty to make something sweet and beautiful. And as we work our way through the book of Ruth, you're going to find there's some very wonderful things that we can apply to our lives and very somber and serious truths that we can apply to our lives. And today's message, I want to preach this message, don't move to Moab. Don't move to Moab. Who the Bible says in Ruth chapter number 1. The Bible says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Kilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Kilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Father, we pray you'd bless your word and the preaching of your word. Help us to learn of thee today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Don't move to Moab. Now, I've already told you the end of the story, and it's a wonderful thing. It's something that God does. God takes so many times our poor decisions and turns them around and makes them into something good. But that is never an excuse for God's people to do the wrong thing, knowing that God can make my wrong decision something really good in the end. Don't ever get this idea that I should just go ahead and do whatever I want to because God is going to work all things together for good. I'll just have you know something. God has a way and a path and a plan for your life that's perfect and right. And the best plan for for your life is the one that is found on a righteous path. Say yes to God's word. Say yes to obedience to the Lord. And you'll find out that God's way is perfect. And when we come to the book of Ruth, we come to this passage of Scripture, we see Elimelech, a husband, a man who had been raised around the principles and the truths of God's Word, making a terrible decision. He moves with his family to Moab. And the end is very tragic. Don't move to Moab. The Bible says in verse number 1, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he 
and his wife and his two sons. Folks, I want you to know that Elimelech's decision to move to Moab was one that was very poor. It was one that caused great grief. Don't move to Moab. Let's consider, number one, this, where it begins. Where did this begin? Uh, the, the end of Elimelech's story is he dies. Ten years later, his two boys die, and he leaves Naomi and two other widow girls alone in a foreign land. But where did it begin? Where does it begin that we make this move to Moab? We move away from the blessing of God, the principles of God, the truths of God's word. Where does it begin? Well, the Bible says in verse 1, it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. Famine. You want to pay attention to that word, famine. Uh, Famine's a scary thing. And I'll just tell you, we do not uh, downplay the trouble that Elimelech Naomi and those boys were going through. As a matter of fact, I've thought about it often uh, as I've been thinking about and praying about this story and this passage of Scripture. I've thought about famine. I'm so thankful that is something that I've never experienced, as you can tell. But famine is something that's very serious. Can you imagine? Can you imagine starving? I, I really can't. I've said a few times I'm starving. But then whoever saw me when I said I was starving would laugh because it's just not true. But starving, we need to remember to thank God for the food that we have. When's the last time you walked through the grocery store and thanked God for the groceries? We should. We should thank God for the bacon and the eggs. And we should thank God for the milk. We should thank God for the things that are there and available. You ever go in the grocery store and something was missing? Uh, we get worried and concerned. But in this moment... Elimelech was in a real spot. He was in a real pickle. He was in a, a difficult situation. They were hungry. And I can tell you, it's one thing for me to be hungry. But if my children were hungry, that's a desperate moment, isn't it? Now, I'm not saying what Elimelech was going through was easy pie, was simple, was something that uh, the big dummy should have known better. I mean, he was dealing with a real problem. And I'll just tell you, I don't know to what extent I would go if my children were hungry. But I do know to what extent I shouldn't go if my children are hungry. I do know to what extent I shouldn't go if things are difficult and hard. I should not turn my back on God in times of difficulty and take matters into my own hands because my own hands lack the capacity and ability to provide for myself in dire situations. God's faithful. Troubles come, there's no doubt about it. But you'll find out if you put your trust in Christ, you put your trust in God's word and the principles of God's word in times of tragedy and trouble and trial, you'll find out God's way is better. Don't move to Moab. Where did it begin? Elimelech packed his family up because there was a famine and no doubt it was dire and difficult and hard. But Elimelech should have known better. Elimelech should have known better. Elimelech, his name is my God is king. Now, you can just imagine if a mommy and a daddy have a little boy and they name their little boy Elimelech 
My God is king. Guess what? That boy came from a home of believers. His dad looked in the face of Elimelech when Elimelech was born and said, I'm going to name him Elimelech because that means my God is king. Ian's name means uh, God is gracious. God is gracious. And we named him that on purpose because God is gracious. And we, we like his name. You could take his name and say, oh, wow, he must be a preacher's kid. How many of you ever met the, the family that has uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as their four boys? Uh, I know a family that they're all, and they're great people. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, when I found out the names, Matthew, the, the boys' names were Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and in that order, uh, I thought, well, they must be Hindu. Yeah, that's it. They've got to be Hindu. Uh, they named their kids Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They got to, no, I know that that, that family, they, they like the Lord, and they love God's word. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You meet the Jeremiah's and the Isaiah's and, the little girl named Lamentations. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Names mean something, right? So Elimelech, he had this heritage that said, Hey, look, God, Jehovah God is king. But as an adult, what he knew as a child, he found himself gradually departing from. And when things got tough, instead of turning to the Lord for help, he went to Moab. And I'll just tell you, if Elimelech was a saved man, he's in heaven today, he would testify to this fact, would to God I had not taken my family to Moab. Would to God I would have trusted the Lord. The Lord had brought Ruth around somehow else. But Elimelech, a man who knew better, who had light, went to Moab. It began with trouble. He sinned against the light of his childhood. He sinned not only against the light of his childhood, but he also sinned against the light of the moment in which he lived. I want to see something in verse number one that I think is exciting. Now, it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. Now, what did Elimelech know about? I'll tell you some things that Elimelech knew about. We, in our Bibles, we've just, if we were just reading through the Bible and you'd open the Bible to Ruth chapter number one, you've just finished the last chapter of the book of Judges. And in the book of Judges, there's a lot of fascinating stories. And the book of Judges is, it's actually an interesting thing because Basically, there's a pattern all through the book of Judges where when God's people are obeying God and trusting God, everything is great. And there's great rest among God's people. But when the people turn their backs on God and begin to serve other gods and do the wrong thing and live for themselves and forget God, guess what happens? God punishes them, turns them over to their enemies, and then he raises up a judge, judges like Samson and Gideon. God raises up a judge and raises up somebody that will help them put the principles of God and God's word back in their lives. And when they're trusting and obeying Lord, the Lord, guess what? God is blessing and they have rest. And so Elimelech, he had on multiple occasions in his lifespan and in his time, he had great example of what happens when you obey God and great example of what happens when you disobey God. He knew the story of Samson. 
that as long as Samson was trusting the Lord and was a man of faith, God was blessing him. But in spite of what he knew, in spite of the examples of what he'd seen as a man growing up in the time of the judges, he took matters into his own hands and let trouble drive him to Moab. Don't move to Moab. Now you're here this morning and you think, my lands, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this next week. Whatever you do, don't move to Moab. Whatever you do, don't act out in sin and fear. Wait in faith and believe that God is able to meet your needs and you'll find him faithful. There's a little song we sang when I was a kid. Don't give up on the child of God. He'll be there when the battle's over. You can trust him. Don't give up. Don't give up on the child of God. Don't give up on God. Don't move to Moab. You see, God has proved himself time and time again. God is faithful. He's still faithful. Don't move to Moab just because times are tough. You see, it began because of the famine. And I don't know what you're dealing with this morning or what it is that's tempting you to step outside of God's will in order to meet what you perceive as your need. But do not move to Moab. Don't go against God. Don't go against God's word to get what you want because when you have what you want or think you want and need the wrong way, it will come with great regrets. You see, we begin... To lose our relationship with the Lord and the blessing and promise and power of God when we move to Moab because of famine. Where it begins. Number two. It's important. Sojourn is like you're going to take a weekend trip. We're going to go sojourn in Gatlinburg. We're going to go sojourn in Boone. We're going to go sojourn here or there. It's something that's very temporary. And so... Uh, literally, Elimelech thought, honey, let's me and you and the boys, let's go down to Moab. We'll get us our bellies full for a weekend or two and find a little work and just do a little, do a little short stay. It'll be, it won't last long. It'll be fine. We'll just sojourn down there. But we know the story. It didn't work like that. He goes to Moab, and never returns. Sojourn. The Bible says in verse number 2, And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Kilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. The next word I want you to see is continued. Now, sojourn is like a weekend trip. Continued is when you set up residence. They went for just a moment, but they stayed. Folks, I want you to know something about sin. It's a trite old saying, but it's so, so true. Sin takes you farther than you ever wanted to go and keeps you longer than you ever wanted to stay. I've never talked to somebody in their childhood that said, Hey, you know what? When I grow up, I want to be a drunk. Wouldn't that be awesome? I'm so excited. You know why? Because nobody wants to ruin their lives. I've never met one person that said, when I grow up, 
I can't wait. I want to be a drug addict. It's going to be awesome. I mean, I'm going to want drugs so bad that I'll rob from my mom and dad. I'm going to want drugs so bad that I'll kill people, and it's going to be awesome. Not nobody, nobody wants that. But there's a lot of people who say, you know what? I think I'm just going to sojourn in the world of drugs and alcohol and illicit behavior. I think, I think I'm just going to give me a little taste. I just want to see what it's like. I want to experience it for a minute. But we know what happens. Sojourns turn into continues. A little taste turns into something awful. And folks, in case you're tempted to think, well, that won't happen to me, you better be careful. Because we all need to be aware of the fact that we can fall into temptation and sin. And we need to be reminded that we should not move to Moab. What did he do? He said, let's, honey, let's sojourn there for a little bit. But the Bible says they continued there. I'll just tell you, it took him a long, it, cost, it took a long time. As a matter of fact, the same thing happened to Elimelech. It happens to a lot of people who say, I'm just going to try something. Same thing happened to Elimelech that happens to a lot of people who said, we're just going to experience this for a short time. What happens? The Bible says in verse number 3, And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. She was left and her two sons. What happened to him? He never left. He died. Now look, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Both physical and spiritual. The penalty of sin is death. And I want you to know something. Elimelech never intended to end his life in Moab, but he did. Elimelech never intended for his boys to die in a pagan land doing the wrong thing, but they did. And it all began because he ran in fear away from God. And it continued because sin does that. Now look... When we look at Elimelech's life, you know what it should do? It should put a little holy fear in our hearts. I'll tell you something. God gave us a certain sense of fear. He doesn't make us afraid. We shouldn't be afraid of this and that and everything. But there is fear that God puts in our hearts. The reality of the fact that that could happen to me and I don't want it to. And when we look at Elimelech's life, we should take note and say, Oh, Lord, please, not me. Help me. Protect me. And when we're tempted in a moment of desperation, when the famine comes, to turn our backs on God, may God remind us, don't move to Moab. Because I want you to know something. It takes a lot of hunting trips and fishing trips. No more of this church taking all of our time. And they told me for... Four or five years, preacher, we just completely turned our back on God. We just didn't want anything to do with him. We let some trouble, we let a little heartache drive us away from a principled Christian life. After four or five years, they said it became very evident in our own hearts that we'd made a terrible mistake. She said, my husband and I started back to church by this time, our children were up in their teen years, and we tried. 
for the seeds that we'd sown for five years leading up to us coming back to the Lord had produced more fruit than we could ever possibly overcome. She said, Pastor, would to God we'd never left the will of God. Oh, would to God we'd made things right. Would to God we wouldn't have let bitterness keep us from instilling in the lives of our young children the truths of God's word. Would to God we hadn't left him. And to this moment, with great-grandchildren, they testify to the fact that it was our time in Moab that caused us such grief. Now look, it can happen to all of us. It can happen to this preacher. I know it could. Listen, don't move to Moab. It begins with a famine. How long does it take? It could take forever. Finally, number three, what does it cost? What does it cost? The Bible says in verse number three, Elimelech, Naomi's wife, I'm sorry, Elimelech, Naomi's husband died, and she was left, and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab, the name of the one was Orpah, the name of the other Ruth, and they dwelled there about ten years. I want you to think about what this cost Elimelech. It cost Elimelech his life. But it also, Elimelech's heritage and future snuffed out because of his disobedience. Now, this is something that I think is pretty interesting. The Bible says in verse uh, number 1 that talking about Elimelech, that he, Elimelech, and his wife and his two sons. Now, the Lord puts a possessive pronoun in front of these this wife and children. Now, I'll just tell you, you can believe whatever you want to, but God holds men and husbands accountable for, the, for their wives and children. And we should take that very seriously. We should take very seriously the fact that God has entrusted us as men to lead our families and love our wives and love our children and lead. And by the way, if you're not leading your family toward the Lord... You are in dereliction of duty. You're not doing what you ought to do. God says of Elimelech, it was his wife and his children. The Bible says, verse number 2, the name of the man was Elimelech and the name of his wife was Naomi. The name of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. And look what happened. The Bible says in verse number 3, Elimelech, Naomi's husband died and she was left and her two sons. What happens? He left them. He left them. You know, we should take very serious the responsibility that God has given us as fathers, husbands, grandfathers, great-grandfathers. You see, we should set the example. Oh, how many times do you hear men say religion is woman's work? That's a hogwash. It's not true. Lead your family to Christ. Elimelech. Oh, Elimelech, would to God he'd taken serious his responsibility. What it cost. It cost his wife and her sons the privilege of having a father and a husband. The Bible says in verse 4, they took them wives of the women of Moab, and the name of the one was Orpah, the name of the other Ruth. Let me tell you something. 
when Malon and Kilion married Orpah and Ruth, if it were possible, Elimelech rolled over in his grave. Now, I'll just tell you the culture of the day and the, the situation that we find in the Bible, the way it worked, it was a very disgraceful thing for a Jewish boy to marry a Moabitess woman. It was something that was greatly uh, looked down on. And it's one of those things that no doubt Elimelech would have preached as a father. But I want you to know something. Elimelech's preaching as a father had no merit to his sons because Elimelech had squandered away his influence with his children. I've said that to say this. Let me tell you something. If you preach one message and live another one, your influence stinks. If you preach one message and live something else, your children will disregard everything you say. And I'll just tell you, I want my words to count in the lives of my children. I want my words to count in the lives of my church. I want my words to count in the life of my wife and my family. And I know for a fact that if I don't do what I say and live what I preach, the things I have to say have no merit at all. You see, Daddy would have preached... Elimelech would have preached over and over, don't you be, now look, we're in Moab, but don't you be marrying the Moabites girls. Now we're living in, don't you be marrying those, what they do? They marry those Moabites. Why? Because it didn't matter what dad had said. Dad had already turned his back on God and moved us down to this God-forsaken place. So we're going to do whatever we want to. Dad doesn't know much. God done killed him. You can see the spirit. What does it cost? I'll tell you. If you move to Moab, you'll lose your influence. If you move to Moab, you'll lose your opportunity to help folks. If you move to Moab, it's going to cost you more than you ever imagined. In verse number 4, it cost them 10 years. They dwelled there about 10 years. And in verse number 5, Malon and Kilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. What happened? It cost their lives too. Now, I want you to think about something with me. Are you going to imagine that day that Elimelech and Naomi and two young boys, just a little nervous because the food supply has gone down, concerned because their bellies were starting to grumble and hungry. But I want you to imagine that day that Elimelech, his wife and boys, began that little journey out of the will of God. That little journey into the country of Moab. Seems innocent enough at the time, doesn't it? But I want you to know something. Dad will never go home. Malon and Kilion will never go home. And Naomi, she's going to be left all alone. Why? Because Elimelech moved to Moab. Now, It's a somber, serious message. Because the same thing can happen to our families. The same thing can happen in our lives if we turn our backs on the faithfulness of God. He's faithful. You can trust him. Elimelech would testify today, whatever you do, don't move to Moab. And if you're tempted this morning, just because you're afraid of what might happen or how this might turn out, 
to do something wrong in order to try to get what you think you need, just remember, it's going to cost a lot more than you could ever imagine. Don't move to Moab.